Welcome to the Do Your Damn Job podcast. My name is Jacob Johnson, and with me today, I got my brother, the man, the myth, the legend, the owner and operator of National Rescue Consultants, Mr. Train to Live himself, Herb Tyler. How's it going, Herb? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you taking this uh, podcast right after work. No, nah, man, I appreciate you having me on and uh, anything that you're doing. I support 100%. You know that. Yes, sir. And I really appreciate it, man. The, the feeling is mutual. So I got, I got Maverick with me here. So the goose was named finally. So Maverick's with me. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about your story, about NRC and what it's all about and throw in some leadership and some mentoring and, and just have some, some good conversation between friends. If you're good with that. Uh, I'm good with it, buddy. Awesome, man. Well, it's good to see your face again. I know that uh, we don't get to see each other as often as we like, but we met a year ago in Georgia. And, uh, man, I tell you what, it's just been a blessing to have you in my life. And my son loves you. My wife loves you and, and everything that you do and stand for. And, and uh, man, it really has been a great year. And, and I'm just thankful for everything. And, and uh, can't wait to see what the future holds for all of us, man. No, man, that's uh, there. There's certain people when you meet them and uh, – you can just tell that they're passion for the job and it's contagious. And I told you this numerous times, you're one of those people that your passion for the job is contagious and, and you elevate other people to, to want to get better. And, and that's the type of people that I want in my circle. And, uh, one of my close friends, Gonzo from, uh, Miko, he always says, uh, you gotta be very careful about who you put in your foxhole with you. Yeah. And, uh, that's something that, now I just live by and uh, you're one of those guys that I can honestly say that I love having in my foxhole because I know you have my back and your passion for this job is so contagious. And uh, I love what you're doing. I love what you stand for. So keep it up, man. I really appreciate it, man. I, I'm proud to have you in the foxhole as well. And, and uh, man, I know you introduced me to Gonzo last year and, and man, it was just fun to talk with him and kind of his background and how invested he is into the job and with his son, uh, he, his son's with Jacksonville, I believe. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, you know, it's the, the brotherhood is strong all the way from the sales industry down to us right here on the, you know, on the front line. So, uh, it's been one hell of a year and, and, uh, we got some exciting things to talk about today. If you want to get into it, well, let's do it, buddy. All right, man. Well, let's just start us out. Just start us out with a little bit of your, your backstory. What, what makes Herb Tyler, what, what drove you to, to love the job and do what you do and, and eventually start NRC? Uh, well, uh, I've been in the fire service 19 years. Um, my sister was a cop when I got out of high school and, uh, I was doing construction and she goes, Hey, uh, you can come be a cop. And I was like, no, that's not, that's not really my thing. So, uh, in South Florida at that time, it was about a three year wait to get into fire school. And that was at all the fire colleges. So uh, I applied at uh, her department and they sponsored me to go through fire school. Wow. And uh, when I went through fire school, I got done. Um, as soon as I got out of fire school and EMT school, I went over to a, a small department on the West coast of Florida, uh, worked there for roughly two years. And then I came out and then I got hired on the East coast at a uh, city of West Palm. And, uh, I've been at the special ops station my whole career there. I've been there 17 years and, uh, that that's pretty much my story. I'm a Lieutenant on the special ops, uh, station and, uh, that's it. There, I mean, it's, uh, this job is amazing. 
And uh, I wish I had a great story to tell you about that I ran into a burning building or something like that when I was a little <laughs> kid. But no, it's uh, uh, I literally owe being a fireman to my sister. Uh, she uh, she was a cop and I didn't want to do that. And she was like, well, you can't do construction your whole life. So we've got to figure something out. And, and that was it. So I thank her every chance I get for, for making me where I'm at today. Absolutely. God bless Tanya, man, huh? Yes, sir. Man. Well, I mean, but you know, you say you've been in that same station for 17 years. Like that's odd in, in this, in this day and age, that's very rare. And, uh, what a blessing that is. I mean, to think about the changes that you've seen in that house, I mean, going from a rookie to a tenant, I mean, what has that been like? How's that transition been over the last 17 years? Uh, I mean, so it's pretty much the same across the board with the, the fire service. And, and the one thing that's always consistent is change. And in the fire service, it's always changing. And uh, us as firemen, we, we complain. And then we don't want change. We, we bitch want to complain that we want change. But then once change comes, we don't like it. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, the fire service as a whole has changed. Um, the just from the type of guys that are coming in the fire service now. Uh, I remember when I got hired, there was guys that were carpenters and construction guys, welders and guys that own landscaping companies. Well, now that's not happening anymore. Now oh, it's no. uh, now it's guys that are playing video games and, and doing all that type of stuff. Um, so I don't necessarily want to say it's a bad change. Uh, it's guys like you and I and, and, and the, the senior guys that have to take the time out and see how, how can we relate to these younger guys? Right. And that, that's the, that's the biggest hurdle I've seen when I, when I've been traveling around, I, I always hear these senior guys always say, well, this younger generation is younger generation. Well, I understand this younger generation might not be like us. I get that. But what did, what did you do to relate to that younger generation? Exactly. You got to find that common ground. And I feel like guys are so quick to say, well, this younger generation, they, they're, they're, they're just unteachable. Well, no, that's, that's not the case. Did you nope. take time and invest into them? Did, did you take time to listen to, to what they're into? Maybe you need to go back and, and learn a little bit about what they're into so you can relate to them. That's right. And, and uh, I, I, I take a little bit from one of your stories in your lecture about music. And that, that was you going into learning that, that individual and relating to him. So you know what? I don't know stuff about Tinder, Bumble, any of that stuff that these yeah. young kids are in. I'm a married man, yeah. and, uh, but you know what? I know what the dating apps are. I know what swiping right is. And, and that's because I got some young guys in my, in my department that that's what they're into. Well, guess what? So righty tighty lefty Lucy. Well, guess what? You want to tighten something up? You're going to go righty. That's it. Right? You're swiping right. And, that's and that's it. it. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things, man. And, uh, the, the fire services is progressively changing. It's uh it's turning from a blue collar job to a white collar job. Um, I'm seeing that across the nation. Mm -hmm. um, when I got hired, they didn't care about degrees. Now, if you want to promote, you better have some form of degree behind your name. 
Man, it's the truth. Um, and I fought it just like everybody else. And uh, not necessarily, I don't disagree with it, but in the fire service, that pendulum swings. That's it. And the one thing that's always been the same in the fire service, that pendulum swings so far one way, and then then we got to try to correct it again. So uh, I can't say enough good things about the fire service, man. It's a, It's been a blessing to me and my family. Uh, it has given me a life that, has exposed me to guys like yourself and it truly is a brotherhood and and i'm very blessed to be a part of it absolutely absolutely it's beautiful man super strong i i couldn't agree more with that i mean you know i've been walking in fire stations for 22 years and when it comes down to when i was 15 years old and having that one guy you know that that i looked up to i think that's you know that one guy or that group of guys they probably said the same shit about us they probably said you can't teach that generation. You can't do anything with those young kids. You can't do anything with them. And, uh, and that's what I keep focusing on for me personally, is when that kid walks in, I have to remind myself like that was me or that was so-and-so. And, and what did people do for me to get me where I want to be? And, and I do believe that all these kids today are teachable, but they have to be open-minded and they have to come with a certain amount of love and passion. That's just naturally there for the job. It doesn't mean they're automatically going to be good at the job. Doesn't mean they're going to pick everything up right away and 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 uh, and be good at it. But they have what it takes to start the learning process. And you just have to change yourself. You have to invest a little bit into them. You know, um, I know a lot of people think fire stations all about recliners and football and cards and kitchen table talks. But you know, when it gets down to it, that's probably about ten percent of what we should be doing. And uh, the other 90%, we need to be going out there making runs. We need to be making grabs and, and we need to be teaching and we need to be training and learning. And uh, what I found, you know, I don't know about yourself, but for me is because of the new generation, because of the swipe and write and all that stuff is they're teaching me just as much sometimes as I'm teaching them about average life in today's world, because I have been happily married for 17 years and I have a family and I have a stable home and I don't really get out much other than to teach or go to work. So to hear their stories kind of teaches me something and, and it, I can kind of relate to it when we make certain calls, you know? No, absolutely. Uh, that's very well said. It's uh, that, that is my, the biggest thing for me is trying to learn how to relate to the younger generation is the biggest thing. And I'm not that old. Um, but I can tell you right now that I don't have a lot in common with a guy who's 25 years old. That's right. Just like we said, I'm, I'm a happily married man. I got two kids. Um, thing, things are different for me. I, I enjoy cutting my grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, that, that, that's my joy. So um, it, it's just one of those things. And uh, that, that's one of those uh, topics where we, we could talk hours on that. But it's uh, just in general, investing in your crew. And, uh, Guys are so quick to want to, to get those bugles and, and promote up. And, and we can take being an officer out of it, being a senior man at the firehouse. Man. Invest in all those guys because yep. you know what? The reality is you, you're living with those guys. And I tell all my guys that come to the firehouse all the time, you are only going to get out of this job what you put into it. That's it. So if you come to this job every third day, you do your tour, you go home, well, guess what? That's all you're getting out of it. Yep. But 
if you take every single day, you go there, you learn something new, you you keep broadening your horizons, this job is going to be the best thing in the world for you. Absolutely. And you know what? You're going to get so much out of this. And that that's just what, if anyone gets anything out of it that, that I'm saying today, that's it, man. Every day, invest in your people. Go to work. Learn something new every day. That's what it's all about, man. The, the, the moment you stop learning in this job, it's time for you to go. Absolutely. And that's just it, man. Is You know, I, I said it just a couple of months ago at a quarter of the meeting at work. You know, I, I told all the guys and girls on shift, I said, hey, I said, put your hand in the air if you got more than 10 years, right? And there was several, several hands in the air. And I said, I want you to look at it like this. Your, your fire service career is only a very small portion of your life. It is a set amount of time. And within that set amount of time, you have to establish a last name worth talking about, worth remembering. You have to establish a legacy worth following. You have to be able to leave your mark. Now, think of it like this. If you have more than 10 years, your career is half over. Have you started that? Have you put in the work to leave that last name worth talking about, that legacy worth following, you know, the, the last name worth remembering? Have you done that? And several of them looked at me funny, you know. And I said, look, if you haven't done it and you haven't put in the work, now's the time. You can fix it over the last half of your career, but it takes work and you have to grind and you have to truly dive into this job. And I think that's where we, that's where the fire service in general, you know, and in my opinion, I think the fire service in general is going wrong is because of the complaints of the lack of pay. We have paid firefighters so much that it has driven a whole different type of person to come to the fire service, which then becomes a little bit money driven or maybe becomes schedule driven, you know, day off driven rather than what do I need to do to be good for those days at work? And what do I need to do at home? And what's the extra work that I have to put in, you know, to be good. And, and that's, you know, one thing I say in my lecture and I preach at the firehouse is athletes are always working. Even in the off season, they're grinding. Doctors are always reading. They are always learning. Why are we not? Why is the fire service in a culture of, I only have to be good at the job for two days a week or one day a week or whatever your schedule is you know, 10 days a month on, on average, why, why is it that we only have to be good for that time, but we don't have to work the other 21 days? Yeah. Uh, that <clears throat> I think you hit the nail on the head when you said schedule driven, um, because a lot of guys are, or that's what they are intrigued to. Hey, for, for us down here in South Florida, the guys are like, Hey, I get off. I got my two days to go surfing and, and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I said, I've been in the fire service, uh, not as long as you, but quite some time. And I still, as a student, I go to a conference every year. I, I'm taking classes. Why to better myself? Um, you, you have to go out there and if you're not going to be a hundred percent into this job, you are going to get somebody hurt or killed. Yep. That, that is case closed. There is no ifs, ands, and buts about it. You cannot say, okay, you know what? I got my, I got my fire cert. I, I did this. I did that. I'm done. I'm good. No, you are going to get somebody hurt or killed, and that burden is going to be on your shoulders for the rest of your life. That's right. So you owe it to yourself to get out there and train and learn and continuously better yourself. And I get it. We all have days that we get to the firehouse. We don't want to do anything. I get it. But – you don't have to go outside every single day and pull a hose on. You can do tabletop. You can go out in the bay and go, hey, you know what? 
open up those compartments in that truck and, and maybe grab a tool out that you haven't touched in quite some time. There, there's a lot of things that you can do to continuously keep getting better. Absolutely. And, uh, you're, you're there for 24 hours and they pay you for 24 hours. So you owe it to the citizens. You owe it to your department to give them a few hours of some good training. That's it. And, and, and that's, that's something I believe in. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean that at the end of the day, something that I've always tried to live by, man, and something I, I always try to preach is there are so many things in this job that we cannot control. There are so many factors on a fire that we just simply cannot control. Um, there's so many factors when it comes to, to being dispatched and, and the call, you know, how long did the 911 call take to happen? All that stuff. We can't control it. But the only thing that we can control is our action on scene because of our competency through training. And, and if we are training and we are there and we are putting in the reps and we are putting in the work, then your action on scene will, will shine and you will be able to perform to the best of your abilities and the outcome that happens was the best outcome that was possible because you were prepared. And, uh, you know, Corley Moore, uh, Chief Moore, he puts it the best way when he says, kill it with, with competency, you know, and, and what, a, what a better way to describe it. I mean, if you're not competent, you're not going to be confident. And if you're not that, you're not going to perform well and your action will show, you know, and when it comes to that, I mean, so we talk about this. I mean, when it comes to that for you as a lieutenant, I mean, I know like you were saying, uh, you told Luke on FaceTime that, you know, your squad company is the busiest in the county. You know, how do you ensure that your guys get that training? But how do you build that culture in your firehouse? How do you sustain that that passion and that love in the firehouse as as a lieutenant? Um, well, so for for my department, the the guys that are in the special ops stations, whether it's a hazmat station or the special ops station, those are the the hard chargers, the guys who are, are just ate up with the job. Um, the guys that are at my firehouse, I can't say enough good things about them because they push me to be better. They're out there nonstop training and they'll be out there 1130 at night throwing ladders or, or out there doing rope, confined space, whatever it is, they're out there training. And within our firehouse, we have built that culture of, we all hold each other to a higher standard. And it's just contagious. And when mm -hmm. you build that culture, you as an officer, you necessarily don't even have to be an officer because everyone else is holding, holding each other to a higher standard. So your job realistically is easy. Right. And that's because it's all about accountability, right? Like the one thing that we, that we lack in the fire service, Correct. accountability. Correct. <laughs> and I mean, but with that too, it, it, uh, it comes together on a, uh, on leaning on that senior man, like you were saying, right? I mean, that senior man in that house, they should be the one driving that training and driving that accountability. And, and you know, I, I've always been a believer that my driver is my right-hand man, but when it comes down to getting the troops in line, when it gets down to getting them motivated, I've always felt that having that senior person out there putting in those reps and having him or her lead that training or having them – get the guys out of their corner and say, let's go do something without you having to say anything as the officer. I think that drives better results than sometimes even that tabletop drill that the officer sits down and says, Hey, let's do a quick drill. Right. Uh, I think having that person lead that, I think it drives better results. No, ab absolutely. And, uh, that that's a role that uh, I've seen being able to travel with NRC, uh, throughout the United States. 
I feel like uh, a lot of places are lacking the importance of the senior man. Absolutely. And how important that senior man is to that firehouse and how important he is to the fire department as a whole. Uh, and I talk about it a lot. It's guys are so quick to want to get promoted. Well, yep. we need great firemen. Not everyone is cut out to be an officer. There, mm -hmm. There's guys that don't take great tests. I, I get all that. But there is spots for great senior men. Yep, absolutely. And, and the senior men, 90% of the time, they're the guys that run the house. And they're the guys that are, are changing the culture. And I just feel like there's been a disconnect of how important that senior man is. Um, absolutely. I remember when I got hired with the city, it's, uh, I had some great senior men and, uh, they held you to a higher standard and it was, this is it. Like, this is how you're going to perform. If not, you're out of here. Yep. And it stays with you. And, and you did it because you had the utmost respect for them because they seen that they seen it, they done it. And, uh, that's it. So, um, having that training culture and, and bettering yourself, I think it starts, it's, it's a two way street. It starts at the company officer level, but it also starts from the junior guy. It's a two way street. So if, if the company officers, uh, slacking a little bit that day, well, guess what? That junior guy picks up that slack, Hey, LT cap, whatever. Let's go out and do some training real quick mm -hmm. and vice versa. It's, a uh, we depending on where you're at you only work 24 hours on 48 hours off where, wherever you're at some some guys work 48s i get it but it's not that hard to go train for a couple hours no uh, and i don't care that it's a sunday no no uh, it's we can train every single day that's it and it, it doesn't take much and it doesn't take a ton of effort to go out there and just better yourself. And when the guys are, don't want to do it, well, man, maybe this job isn't for you. That's right. Because things are changing every single day in the fire service. And like I said before, if, if you think you know it all, well, guess what? Your time here is done. You need to go home mm -hmm. and hang it up because what, whatever you're doing is going to get somebody hurt. So, Absolutely. That, that, that's my two cents for whatever it's worth. Probably not much, but, uh, that, that's my two cents on. No, the it's, it's a lot, man. I mean, well, that's, I mean, you, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that, that junior guy, that rookie, that new member, they have to want the training and they have to ask for it just as much as the officer has to provide it. Yes. Um, you know, to me, that's a sign of them starting to push themselves is when they come to me and say, can we train on this? Or what do you know about this? Or, Hey, we haven't done anything yet. Can, can we go out there and knock this stuff out? Right. Or I have a, I have a phase book that I have to get signed off. So I really need this training. Can you, can you come help me? You know, they have to show that initiative. Right. And when it comes to that senior man, like, you know, you're a good friend and, and, and I've been blessed to meet him a few times with Timmy Gleason. Like if you're in that dude's firehouse and you're not trying to impress him, then you are wrong because yes. I promise you that officer depends on Timmy to run the show. And he depends on Timmy on scenes. I promise. No, I, I listen. Uh, that is the best description of a senior man that you can ever describe. 
is Timmy Gleason. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that I know a lot of guys at his firehouse, and he is the senior man. That's the guy that you want to see on scene. And I've been blessed to have known him for, for a while now, and uh, he pushes me to get better. And I don't even work at the fire station with him. We, yeah. we just teach together, and he pushes me to be a better person and uh, be a better fireman. So that's the type of guys that, that you want. Yep. And uh, you should strive to be that firefighter, that officer, that driver, engineer, that when you look at that roster, people want to say, you know what, I want that guy there on that call. Or, hey, you know what, I want to work with this guy. Why? Because he's going to hand down some knowledge. We're going to train. It's going to be a good time absolutely so that's what you should strive for it shouldn't just be like hey you know what uh i want to go work for this officer today because we're just going to sit around the recliners all day and not do anything no yep that when uh shit hits the fan that's what happens yeah absolutely i mean that's the thing right is is you want you want that that guy that's got 20 years on the job, 25 years on the job with 20, 25 years of true experience and training, right? Like I get it. Not everybody fights fires like everybody else. Not everybody makes the run numbers that, that everybody else makes. But if you got 20, 25 years in the service and you are going to trainings and you were leading trainings and you were going to conferences and you were teaching and you were doing everything to better yourself, I don't care if you've made a hundred fires or a thousand fires, you're worth listening to. And, and every, everybody needs that and it's okay. And that's, I guess that's one thing that I want young men to understand and young women to understand is it's okay to stay a fireman rank for the, your whole career. Just be good at it. Just be somebody worth talking about. Be, be somebody that the Lieutenant says, I want them on my crew because I know they're going to help me get these guys straight, right? They're going to help me get this rookie on the road. And, um, and that's, and that's what we want is I think it, like we've been talking, it's, there's this anxiety for in the fire service, some reason to promote. There's this anxiety of I need to be more, I need to do more, but nobody ever fulfills the potential that they have in each rank. And it's okay to stay in that rank and fulfill your potential. You know, for me, I'll probably never promote again, but I'm never going to stop trying to be a good battalion chief. I'm never going to stop trying to learn. I'm never going to stop <clears throat> trying to be the best and, and have the best shift, right? Like, I know we don't want three fire departments in one and this and that, but I want to have the best shift. I want to have the, the shift that's known to train the most and known to perform the best and, and, and push myself and push the, the men and women that, that are on the B shift with me to be the best potential of themselves within their rank. And if I ever have one person who's come and say, I'm going to be a fireman forever, then we're going to have a long talk about what it takes to be a good fireman forever and, and what, and what expectations are out there uh, to be that senior person in the station. No, it, you literally <clears throat> hit that nail on the head. And uh, <clears throat> I also feel it's important uh, that we use our people in the correct spot. Yep. And, and that's where it takes getting to know your people and knowing their strong, their strong uh, attributes and putting them in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a hard-on for someone or you disagree with somebody, you don't just move them for no reason. Put them in the right spot. Figure it out. And, and use them to their, to their strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, we're talking about you being a battalion chief. I've seen it so many different times in different departments where 
the battalion chiefs use that roster as discipline. Yeah. And, and, and there's no reason for that. No. It, it, it's that it shouldn't be a form of discipline. You should be using that, that roster to, to stack your crews and, and make the best firehouses with the best people that you possibly can. That's right. And it, it's just, uh, it's a great time to be in the fire service. Uh, we're progressively moving forward and, uh, social media has brought to light a lot of great people and, um, I'm excited for the next 20 years of my career. Absolutely. I'm, I'm Absolutely. ready to see what it brings. That's right. And we know, you know, we know we, you talked about the pendulum. We know it's going to swing back and we're going to have to fight harder at one point uh, to get it to swing in the other direction. And then eventually it'll be somebody else's job to swing it back and forth while we, you know, sit on the porch and watch. Right. Um, but I mean, and that's, and that's the thing is when you talk about roster, I love that you brought that up because man, it is, it is important. I do know that chiefs have done that before. Like, I think you're, I think you're a shit bag. So I'm gonna make you go work for this Lieutenant. That doesn't work. There's two things that don't work. One, you can't label somebody a shit bag and then put them with a good crew for punishment. You, you, you put them there to rejuvenate them and, and you have to put it that way, right? You have to say, Hey, I don't think you're performing to your full potential. I'm going to place you on a crew where I know you you'll reach your full potential. I know that you'll find some love for the job. Right. And, and the other thing that I think they use it for is for self-pleasure. They want to make sure that they have their buddies around them in their firehouse that, that, that they're sleeping at. Right. And, uh, and I think that's wrong too. Um, because I think at the end of the day, you should go to each person on your shouldn't be. And, and I know you can't control it all. And I know not every fire department's like this, but for me, it's like, if you want to do engine work, why would I place you on a ladder truck? If you want to do ladder truck work, why would I place you on an engine? If you want to be really good at EMS and, and ride ambulances, why would I place you on a slow medic unit? You know, and those are the things that you can talk and, and find out by talking to your people and investing in them and saying, okay, I have all these guys that want to do really good engine work. Let me go put them on a busier engine. I have these guys that want to do good truck work. Let me put them over here at the dual house, you know, or put them at the, at the single truck house. You know, I have this individual that really loves EMS and really likes riding the ambulance. So let me make sure they ride a busier medic unit. There's little, there's little moves that you can make like that, that you can control as a chief that really, in my opinion, and what I've seen is it re reinvigorates the morale on your shift and it makes your shift, uh, function easier and function more, uh, efficiently because you have people in the, in the roles that they want to be in. Well, it's, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, so excited that you brought up the the morale standpoint when when we talk about morale people are so quick to say well morale is just at your firehouse blah 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 i, I get all that but morale is a two-way street morale starts from administration down and it starts from the crew up right and if those two aren't jiving together your morale might be great at your firehouse but could suck on your shift yeah, and vice versa. I've seen it. So what are some of the things that you being a battalion chief, how are some of the things that you do to, to boost morale within your own department? Man, you know, so for me, it's, it's the little things, right? Like I know a lot of people say don't sweat the small stuff and it's not that I sweat it uh, in the fact that I just have to fix it. It's 
I want to find the little things that I can stack on in a quick fashion that keep supporting morale while I mastermind the big plan. Right. And so, you know, we had a big push uh, for engine work and truck work. Right. And, and we have these deployment models. And so for me, it was just, Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to practice this and I'm going to put in reps with you and we're going to get on this deployment model together. And we're going to call ourselves the proud members of the B shift. So I know you've heard me say it. I say it all the time. I post about it because to me, that gives you that little bit. It, it makes you feel proud to be there. It raises your morale a little bit. Um, I send out tour. We send out tour info emails, uh, all the chiefs, and I always make sure to put something in there to the guys themselves, right? Like, Hey, I'm very proud of you. Here's this. Um, here's my expectations when you're a new officer and here's the B shift oath, right? This is our officer oath, right? You don't, you don't necessarily have to live and breathe by it, but for me, it's important. It's important that you know it. And, and it stands for why we are proud members of the B shift. Um, I'll find little videos, man, little motivational videos or little sayings, right? Like I, I the other day I was floating around on the internet and I found the, the Dick winter Sergeant Dick winters video where he says, my grandson asked me, you know, are you, were you a hero in the war? And I told him, no, I worked on a company of heroes. And so I sent that out, right? Sent it to the officers. I said, please share with, with, with your crews. Please understand that this is exactly how I feel as a battalion chief, that I work on a shift of heroes. And for heroes, the definition of heroes for me is not accolades and it's not medals and it's not awards. It's your actions. It's the times that you're at the grocery store and I see you handing out helmets and coloring books to little kids. It's the times that I see you pulled over on the side of the road, changing tires. It's the time that I walk up to a st or I drive up to a station and I catch you in the middle of training. And, and when I ask, Hey, can I have a few moments of your time? You ask me if you can finish training. It's those actions to me that make you a shift of hero. And I'm very proud to be your chief, you know? And so when, in my opinion, when you can find those little, when you can find those little moments, man, just to inspire real quick, right. You can grab that opportunity, right. And, and make a special moment out of it. That's what you have to do. And that's what I try to do. And if I can start stacking up those little wins and I can start thinking more deeply into what I need to bring big, you know, what I need to do right in order to sustain morale longer while I keep stacking up the small wins. That's awesome. It's uh, I definitely wish there was more chiefs like you that, that believed in that motto. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to travel around and, and I've seen that that leadership by fear, which we all know does not work. Right. You got the dictator chief, which that doesn't work. Nope. And just seeing uh, the chief out there putting gear on and training with you, that means a lot to the guys. Absolutely. And that shows that, Hey, I, I'm, I'm a part of you guys. I'm mm -hmm. here. I'm, I'm, I'm not just a white shirt. I'm, I'm with you guys. That's right. And, uh, I feel like we're losing that a little bit. And, uh, but it's guys like you that are out there giving your message out when you when you're doing your lectures and stuff that it's going to make a change, man. And and like I tell you, keep doing what you're doing because you're spreading a good word. Well, I really appreciate that, Herb. I really do. I mean, it's to me, it's it's very important uh, that we be working chiefs. And uh, you know, I I posted a picture of of the way I set up my gear, and you wouldn't. I was blown away. You wouldn't believe the amount of comments that I got back of. It's so good to see this. This doesn't exist in my department. This doesn't exist in my department, this and that, the other. And I asked myself, like, why? Like, where, where did we go wrong on the job and in, 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 in the rank of battalion chief that it's okay not to work? 
or it's okay to not expect to work, or it's okay to allow someone to put, set up your gear and check your, and check your, uh, air packed out. Like where, where are we at in this job that we have become almost admin like at the battalion chief of operations level? We have to be working chiefs. We have to be prepared. It is very, well, at least in my city, we're, we're, we are very long, right? And we only have six stations. We're 70 square miles. There's one chief. There's a very good chance that one day in my career, I could roll up on a fire first and be there for five, 10 minutes by myself and have to do something. I, I can't just sit in the car. I can't stand in the front yard. I, I'm going to have to put on my gear and maybe do some VES or maybe just go soften the building. I always carry a set of irons and a can and a tick. So be able to, maybe I can keep the fire in check. You know, there's several things that I could get done to help the scene or to help the citizens uh, and rather than just sitting in the car and, and waiting and that being acceptable. And I don't understand where we've gone as a service or as a job or what, what message that has been put out there that that is acceptable. Uh, I, I think if you're, if you were a chief out there and you're in operations, if you're not a working chief, then you're doing a disjustice to your citizens, your firemen, and and your department. Well said. Well said. It's uh, I can't even say anything else. Uh, you hit you hit the nail on the head with that man. And uh, I wish that every battalion chief could hear that. And because uh, I think it's important. Absolutely. It's, uh, just because you get that white shirt on doesn't mean necessarily you're a company man. That's right. You're just that. You're just that buffer from administration to the guys. Mm-hmm. You still sleep at the station. You're still running calls. So more than anything, you should be more towards the guys than you are to administration. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, man, let's dive into NRC a little bit. Um, I've all, I always like hearing the stories. I always like learning more about it. I mean, you know, I, I know that, uh, we're coming up on 10 years and, uh, what, uh, what led you to start NRC and, and get Greg involved and, and all the guys on your cadre and, you know, what's the backstory to that? Uh, well, it's uh, 2012. Uh, I started my teaching career back in 2008, and uh, we were doing a lot of military training, doing a urban search and rescue for the military. And the company I was working for, they pretty much had enough, and they were like, hey, we're done. So I spoke with the owner, told him that I was thinking about starting a company, and uh he said, okay, no, no problem. And, uh, so I was sitting there and I didn't really say much to anyone what I was thinking. Then, uh, I called, uh, my best friend, Greg, I said, Hey, that's what I want to do. And this is a guy who, when I, when I got hired, kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes. He, he was a mentor of mine, told him what I wanted to do. He said, say no more, let's do it. And, uh, it took us a little bit of time to, to put it together. And uh, we came up with, we, we literally were just scribbling down on paper what our goals were. And our goals were to be taught the way we wanted to be taught. Explain the why. Yep. So, and literally everybody on the cadre cannot have egos. There's zero egos. Um, and that's the biggest thing for us. And, now we're coming up on 10 years. Um, each year we're progressively getting bigger. Uh, we've, uh, we've been outside of the U.S. We've taught all over the U.S. Uh, we're very fortunate to do what we do. Wow. Um, 
we have a cadre of over 20 instructors and they're some of the badasses in the fire service, man. And, uh, they, we all push each other to be better. So, um, I'm very fortunate of where myself and Greg have brought the company, but it's because of the cadre of instructors that we have guys like yourself who support us and believe in what we're, in what we're doing. And, uh, that's the story, man. It's, uh, I'm just blessed to be where I'm at. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, there's no, there are no short of rock stars on that cadre. I mean, there's guys that are, that you have there that are just absolutely studs and, uh, man, like you said, with no egos, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know it. You know, they're, they're just there, but when they open their mouth and they talk, you know, that they know their shit. And, uh, Man, I, I've gotten to meet most of them, and I just absolutely love every single one of y'all, uh, everything that y'all stand for. I've literally not heard any negative comments come out of a class before. You know, everybody, y'all y'all, y'all put people in situations that uh, are only dreamed about, and I think that's what's important. And, and that's where training needs to go, you know, as a job, is we need to put people in situations that um, are only dreamed of because that's when it's going to happen. You know, our, our bread and butter fires that kill firemen are important. Um, but it's also important to learn when you're not in a bread and butter situation of how to get out of it. And, and I think y'all do a fantastic job at that. Y'all's pictures are from your tech rescue classes and USAR classes are just some, some out of the world for me. It, it is, it always amazes me when I see y'all building out and, uh, and then in the middle of your classes with all of your framing and your stabilization and all that. I mean, it's just out of this world, man. Your education, that's my thing. I love education. Some of the stuff that y'all put up there is just stuff that you don't see other than in the movies, man. So I love it. No, oh, man. And uh, I appreciate it. It's uh, the every time I teach a class, I tell everyone, I go, trust me, there's a method to my madness. Um, we have an unorthodox way of teaching, but it works because we're all firemen. So I'm not going to kill you by PowerPoint. Right. We're going we're gonna to explain the why to you, make you understand why you're doing certain things. And, hey, you want to try something? All right, let's try it. Because I would rather you see it not work than me just tell you that's not going to work. Because you're going to go back to the firehouse and you're going to say, you know what? That dumbass instructor, that would have worked. I'm telling you it would work. But if I let you see it during training that it's not going to work, now that, that doubt is out of your mind. Absolutely. And, uh, just uh, like I said, I can't say enough about the cadre, man. The cadre makes all of us better. Uh, Timmy Gleason, Rob Ramirez. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, we got just stellar guys. And with the advanced rescue and survival program that we're doing, the man versus machine program, all the USAR classes that we do, uh, we've been blessed to. We're going to the uh, heavy rescue symposium in New York. We're going to Lakes of the Ozark just got back from uh, the North Florida fire expo. So on top of doing all the other classes, it's just, uh, we're blessed to be able to get out and spread, spread the knowledge and, uh, meet all the brothers, man. It's uh, it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, and in, in all those classes, I know man versus machines are a, a huge hot topic right now. It seems like everybody wants that class, but that's only a little bit of what y'all offer too. I mean, Y'all offer the driver operator courses and leadership courses and lectures. I mean, and, and that list goes on as well, too. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is 
it's not just hands-on training that y'all offer. You offer a lot of certifications, especially for Florida, and just a lot of general knowledge training that that people can contact you and, and get to their department. Yeah, so we do uh, next month, we're getting ready to do an advanced uh, forcible entry class. We got engine, truck, we got leadership. There's a pretty much when everyone asks, what do you guys teach? I tell them everything but EMS. <laughs> and we don't, we don't teach EMS. We don't teach hazmat. You can't be the best at everything. And, and our wheelhouse is fire service and USAR. Sure. And you can't put the same instructors for everything because as you and I both know that that's not the case. So we have guys that their strong suit is specifically DMR mm -hmm. guys at structural collapse, uh, advanced rescue and survival. So, and that goes back to what you and I talked about earlier, knowing your people's strong suits and putting them in the correct spots. Right. So that's uh that's one of the things that has truly made us uh, get to where we're at. And like I said, I'm, I'm blessed that all the listeners and, and the people love what we're doing and, and we love them. So it's uh it's awesome. Absolutely. You know, and you had told me a while back, you said, look, half truck, half trailer will travel. And, uh, man, I've seen you live that out. I mean, I, I think y'all have driven as far as 27 hours in the last year that I've seen, you know, just to provide a week long worth of training. So, you know, y'all are taking a lot of time away from your families to make the fire service better. And, uh, man, I just, it's, it's awesome to see, uh, that kind of stuff didn't exist when you and I were rookies. There, there weren't people really traveling around micro conferences weren't a thing. And, uh, it's just awesome, man, that y'all are willing to do that. And, you know, driving 27 hours, that, that puts you on the road for two or three days with a trailer. And then you teach for seven days and, you know, you're, you're away from your family for half a month, not, not a little, or not to mention the vacation time you burn from work and everything else. So, um, you know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't go without recognition either. And, and, uh, for sure that NRC is going to make, a, make our job a lot better. There's no doubt. No, man, I, I appreciate that, man. And, uh, like I said, when, when we started this, it was just, Greg and myself and uh our fleet now is eight trailers and for each discipline and when Greg and I started we just had one trailer wow. and uh we started up the east coast of Florida pretty much just cold calling and saying hey look we'll come and just give us a couple hours whatever you guys want to train on we're we're here and we went up the east coast across the panhandle down the west coast of Florida and back home and uh it was just to get knowledge out there of skills right. and stuff like that so that's what it turned into and and now we have like i said eight trailers and over 20 instructors and uh we've driven as far as portland oregon so wow uh, like this sunday i'm getting ready to to get on the airplane and myself and uh instructor david mccauley we're flying up to uh newton massachusetts we're doing a full uh usar series there and then wow. uh we have guys that'll be in uh, Southwest Florida as well. And then uh, we're getting ready to go to Canada next month. So we're, wow. uh, we're all over. That is awesome. That is awesome. And that's, that's the one thing too, I want to point out, man, that, uh, you know, the thing that impresses me the most about it is, you know, you're all about data, data proven and street, street vetted, right. Data and uh, street approved. And uh, man, it, for me, it's like when you hear about the guys from Cadre, man, they've been to Haiti. They were at Hurricane Katrina, you know, then they recently with, with the building collapse in Miami and some went to, to the trade centers. And I mean, it just, it goes on and on and on all these major events that have happened. 
that's, that's what impresses me the most is that you can talk to guys that can tell you I've been in this situation. I've been in this tight space. I know exactly what to do if you just open your mind and listen to me. And, and I think that's what's so important with training these days is, and that's what separates y'all. That's what separates y'all from every other training company, in my opinion, when it comes to a lot of, a lot of the stuff that y'all teach, because you have guys that can say, I spent a month in Haiti, like seeing things that I've never seen that, that humans shouldn't see and getting people out of places that they shouldn't have lived. And so I'm telling you that this stuff happens and this works. And then you're able to bring all those ideas back and actually recreate them here in the U S I mean, what a blessing that is for people that on, on the job. Yeah, no, it's uh, and that's the other thing. I mean, social media has been a great thing for the fire service, but it's also been a, a disservice to the fire service as well. Mm-hmm. Because now everybody wants to create an Insta, a Instagram profile, create a training company, and they, they want to say, hey, we're going to go training. Well, uh, one of our students uh, from Alabama sent me a text yesterday about some training that was going on, and these guys were using Amazon equipment. Oh. That's going to get somebody hurt. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate to say it. You, you need to have good equipment, and you can't just be – throwing it together because you took the class 10 years ago and you think that now you can teach. Right. Um, we don't do this for the money. Um, you and I both know that, I mean, you travel around a lot of times you're doing this and you end up, it ends up costing you money. Mm-hmm. Um, I can honestly say everyone that's in the cadre, we do this because we truly care. We truly love this job and we love every brother and sister that's out there. Um, if you're willing to come and take a class, well, guess what? We're going we're gonna to pour our heart and soul into it and give you every bit of information we possibly can. Um, with that being said, it's uh, social media has been a great thing as well with the exposure, just, just like yourself. I would have never met you if this was 10 years ago. Absolutely. Yep. I would have never known y'all existed. Exactly. Because it, it didn't happen. There was, you would have got your training from the local fire academy and that was it. Yep. And, now social media is bringing guys together that are subject matter experts in their fields and, and making the industry get better as a whole. So yeah. that is where social media does really well. But also with that being said, you got to be careful with what kind of training you're getting out there. You need to vet these people that throw up a training company and, and are just trying to make a quick buck mm-hmm. because they're going to end up getting somebody hurt. They could be putting out wrong information. I mean, you see it, I see it. It's uh, not saying that we're the end-all, be-all by any means because there's a lot of great training companies out there. Um, but just vet, vet your people. Sure. So wherever you're doing that training, vet your people and, and make sure that they're not just reading off a of PowerPoint and they just took the class two weeks ago and now they're going to try to be the subject matter expert and try to teach you because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And that's, you're exactly right with social media, man, that with, with being able to meet people and know people and see the trainings. And then when you go around and, and be able to hold conversation with these guys, I mean, what better resource, in my opinion, to be able to grab the people that you want, that you've met, that you've maybe taken their classes and bring them into your department. People that, you know, like we said, 10 years ago, we didn't know existed. Right. And so I know that for Pearland, I can reach out to you and I can bring 10 classes to Pearland just from NRC alone. Right. And, 
and the next department can do the same and the next department can do the same. And there's so many different companies out there that are good companies that can provide good training. And social media has opened up that bridge almost, you know, to say, Hey, can you please come to Paraline or can you please come here? And I mean, just like you're saying, y'all have gone from Portland to Canada to, I mean, I don't think there's a, an area in Florida y'all haven't hit and, and uh, you know, Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Missouri. I mean, I, I just all this stuff keeps popping up and everywhere I look, I see NRC and I see, I see the same guys at the same conferences. So it means that there's a lot of solid training coming out of the same people. And, and, and that's, what's important, man. Yeah, man. And, and that's all it's about. It's, it's all about just honestly getting, getting out there, making yourself better and investing in yourself. And, and that's all I can, uh, I can continuously say. And I'll, I'll keep uh, beating that into everyone's head that, that'll listen to me is you got to invest in yourself mm -hmm. and I don't care if your department doesn't have a writ program set up or they don't have a specific engine class or whatever invest in yourself go that's out it. there go, go to a conference get some training bring it back to your department show the guys that's how culture changes in the fire service all it takes is one person to change that culture so if you have a culture within your fire department where you're not training and you're not doing, you're not trying to advance. It takes one guy to go to a conference, go get some training. He brings it back. One guy will come out and start paying attention. Another guy, another guy. And before you know, it spreads like wildfire. 100%. That's how you fix. That's how you fix the issue of complacency in the fire service. Boom. Uh, you nailed it. Can't add anything to it, man. That was perfect. I'm going to try to share my screen so we can talk about the big event. Yes, sir. Let's see here. There we go. Let's talk about it. The 10 year fight, the fire conference here for NRC. What it looks like, man, your guest speakers there are going to be out of this world. Yeah. It's uh, so we, we came up with the, uh, the idea, uh, spoke with all the cadre. We're, so January 27th in 2013, that's when uh, we created uh, NRC. That's when it all started. Uh, so this is our big 10-year anniversary. So we got together. We're, we're hosting it down in uh, Miami. Uh, I, know, I know you'll be in attendance. Yes, sir. We got uh, Chief Brian Brush, Chief Corley Moore, uh, Chief Clyde Gordon, uh, Matt Paglione, uh, Danny McCauley, and then uh, Captain Rob Ramirez. So it's all lectures. It's uh, going to be literally hard chargers in the fire service. You guys are going to get a ton of information. Uh, it's capped out at 350 uh, personnel. Oof. And then after that, we're doing an after party at the same location. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a bar. It'll be music. It's going to be a bunch of different raffles. Uh, Miko's uh, going to be giving a bunch of stuff for the raffle. Taylor's tins, uh, Rescue Systems Unlimited, and we got a couple more that's uh, coming out too. So, oh man, it, it is going to be one hell of a good time. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's just going to be, it's going to be an epic uh, fire conference. I love it. I love it. I can't wait for it. Anybody that's listening or watching this, mark your calendars. Get your tickets when they go on sale, January 27th of 2023 in Miami, make sure you go. You do not want to miss it. Again, guest speakers, Chief Brian Brush, Chief Corley Moore, Chief Clyde Gordon, Matt Paglioni, Danny McCauley, 
and Captain Rob Ramirez. If you don't know who they are, then you should, and you will after you come to this conference. Yeah, man, uh, it is going to be a good time. Um, we're looking forward to just having everybody come out. Um, everyone that's taking classes from us in the past, maybe haven't taken classes from us, just come out and uh, truly enjoy the brotherhood, man. This is uh, it's going to be a day of learning. It's going to be a day of brotherhood and fellowship. And uh, I'm looking forward to guys like yourself that are coming down. Um, we got two guys from Idaho Falls that are coming that, that we just did a class for. Wow. It's uh, that that's the real test of time when you got guys flying in that want to be a part of it, that they want to celebrate. And the fact that somebody from NRC is, has given them some information and they, they trust in us with their training, it, it just means the world to me. And it means the world to the instructors. Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it for the world, man. I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's going to be a great time. I mean, what better way to toast NRC and to toast the fire service in general, man? Good learning, good brotherhood, and a little bit of Jameson on the back end. So That's can't it. beat it. And plus, it'll be in January. So our winter in Miami is going to be roughly uh, 70 degrees. Oh, man. Whew. So, so, so make sure you pack accordingly, a little, little sweater or something, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, yeah it's going to be a little chilly. Yeah, it'll be a little chilly for us, but uh, <laughs> but for everyone else that's coming out of town, this will be uh, this will be nice summer weather for them. Heck yeah! I mean, it's you know it's April over here in, in old Tejas, and uh, I woke up to seventy five degree weather, and now it's like eighty six outside. We're not even. I mean, it's just barely noon. So, yeah. you know, good old South Texas heat over here. Well, like I said, man, I I, I truly appreciate you. I appreciate what you stand for and, and everything you're doing for the fire service. Uh, uh, you and I have had numerous uh, private conversations and you're putting out such a great product and such a great message that people need to hear it. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everything you're doing. Um, and, and it's just an honor to know you, man. Well, I really, I really appreciate it, Herb. I mean, you've it, throughout those conversations, man, you've, you've given me a lot of life advice that I, that I just absolutely adore. And, and uh, you know, you, even down to, being one of the only people to ever come up and say, Hey, let's make some tweaks to your slideshow. Right. And really investing in me. And I, I really appreciate that and took that, you know, that advice, uh, serious enough that I got some, some PR, uh, ladies that are going to help me fix that slideshow a little bit. They did tear it apart. You know, they were like this, some of this stuff's pretty terrible. And I was like, all right, well, we'll get it right. So, uh, so they're going to help me out, man. And it's, it's just been a blessing to, to, to know you and, and a true honor and, you know, I can't speak good enough about Tanya, about your sister and, and all that she's done for me and, and Luke and, and, uh, you know, the way that she's just kicking ass at life, man, and just, and, and really making that last name proud. So, uh, Tanya's warriors, if y'all don't know what we're talking about, that was started a year ago by a bunch of good brothers on the job. And, and, uh, we have really been there for Tanya and, and Tanya's really doing good at, at, at everything she's dealing with in life. And, uh, we all got her back and it's all because of brotherhood conference and two dudes meeting. That's it. Um, so. it's, uh, I know we're getting ready to wrap up. So, uh, I do, I do want to thank you for allowing me this opportunity to, uh, come on on your fifth episode. Absolutely. Uh, I tune in on all of them, man. It's a, it's a great time. It's a, it's a great message. You've had really great guests on, um, 
and I, I just look forward to it, and I hope all your listeners come out on January 27th to the to the fire conference. It's going to be a great time, and uh, that's it, man. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely, well, and I appreciate you coming out. It was a it was a, a banger of an episode, just like I thought it would be. You know, this is my deal. I want to bring in some guys on on episodes that maybe the fire service doesn't know and needs to know, and then every once in a while, I want to bring in a heavy hitter. You were my first choice. You're the first heavy hitter to, to hit the podcast and uh, somebody that I'm definitely going to have back and maybe even get you and Rob and Timmy on here and we do a little group one and uh, and just talk and have a good time, man. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. And I know you're up all night on the squad. So, you know, it means a lot that you stay awake for me and and uh, and be able to talk some shops. So, man, I'd, I appreciate it. And as we wrap it up, as always, a little a little toast here that uh, uh, let me get it up here. Let's see. All righty, here we go, folks. Please remember that suicide is very real in the fire service today. There's no reason to go without help. We have a great organization that is truly close to my heart called Next Rung. Next Rung has helped thousands of our brothers and sisters and continue that mission today stronger than ever. Please understand that you are not alone. If you need help or need support, please call Next Rung at one 833 six nine eight seven eight six four to get a hold of next rung they truly are amazing blake stanek is amazing good buddy of me and herbs they're doing great things if you need the help please reach out because they will answer you so if you would herb grab your drink raise your glass salante and that wraps it up folks i appreciate you episode number five is in the books be look forward to post today on spotify youtube and the good old social medias have a good day my brother see you buddy thank you thank you